There is a gold mine of data found in your customer support tickets, feedback, bugs, operational improvements, product ideas, you name it. Your customers are begging you to fix their problems. And our sponsor this week, OmniPanel, does the job to surface all these insights for you automatically and send them to the right person on your team. Next time there's a bug request, boom, goes to the product department. Next time there's an operational idea, great, goes to your COO. There's never been something like this before and I'm really excited to share OmniPanel with you, a great software to streamline all these requests. If you're interested in trying out OmniPanel, go to omnipanel.io and let them know Forward Thinking Founders sent you. That is O-M-N-I-P-A-N-E-L dot I-O. Thank you so much OmniPanel for sponsoring this episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Now let's get into today's episode. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies. And the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus. So if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kund, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews. So check it out. Enjoy the repository. And for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Chandra Dugarala, who's the co-founder of FounderPool. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Thank you, Matt. It's amazing. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I am super excited to to learn more about what you're working on with FounderPool. When I first found it on the internet, I mean, it's just genius. So let's stop that. Let's stop building up anticipation here for people that don't know what you're working on. Can you kind of share with the audience and the listeners what you're working on with FounderPool? Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. FounderPool is a way for the founder entrepreneur to diversify their opportunity cost, their risk, and reduce the opportunity cost of being a founder for a long period of time with very uncertain outcomes. And more importantly, it's a community that actually helps you increase your odds of success. So let's start with, I guess, some context. Um, for people listening that may not have been a founder before and raised a lot of venture capital, kind of going, gone for the moonshot, can you kind of talk about the, um, the, how it is now, the risks for founders um, and like their opportunity cost, things like that? Um, a kind of the lay of the land today. And then you can talk about how founder pool kind of gets in there and, and de-risks some of this. So how does it work now? And then how does it work with, um, with a platform like yours? Sure. So the traditional founder role, as people understand it in Silicon Valley, is you have an idea or you discover a problem that is unaddressed in the market. And then you build your clever solution. Uh, it has a potential to scale and make a lot of money over a long period of time. And so you go out and raise some external capital to grow your business. And at some point, either you exit, meaning you IPO and get traded in the public markets, and then your stock converts to cash in your bank account, or a uh, 
an acquiring company acquires your company for cash or stock, which converts to cash, and then you get rich. The problem is to build these companies, it takes a very long period of time to get to an exit. And until that event happens, anything can go wrong. And usually everything that can go wrong does go wrong in startups and, and then some. So you're, you are fronting or you're undertaking this extreme amount of uncertainty for a very long period of time. And the reason why the opportunity cost is so huge is you could be, uh, most of the founders are in a position to actually get a very well-paying job at Google or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And they forego that for vastly below market salary, oftentimes paying themselves nothing for very long periods of time and they forego their social life, there's a tremendous amount of sacrifice involved in building a startup, especially one that's designed to scale and grow. But the outcome is no less uncertain. And that actually deters a lot of people. The idea behind FounderPool is in other areas of life where you have these extreme distribution of events and there's a lot of uncertainty, you pool risk. Uh, in startup, you know, in a, you could argue the distributional risk is not normal. It is, you know, uh, you know, much higher order distribution, right? It is, but there's the uncertainty still stands. So the idea behind FounderPool is instead of having exposure and concentrating all of your equity and your effort over a very long period of time into one company, the founder should actually be able to mitigate some of the opportunity cost. And the easy way to do it is to actually diversify their equity holdings. So with FounderPool, you can exchange a portion or a fraction of the, the equity that you own in your company for equity in other startups. So you're not just bound by one company's uh, fate, right? Your destiny is not tied to one company's fate, but you, if any one of the companies in your pool uh, become an outlier, a breakout winner, then you would benefit. So that mitigates some of the downside risk. The upside risk or the increasing the odds of success is that think of founder pool as a community of 20 or 30 people that are all invested in each other through, invested in each other through this equity swap mechanism that I just described. Now you have access to not just one investor pipeline, right? You have access to investor pipelines from 20 other people. This is a community that is vested in your success. This is where you go to, to uh, learn growth tactics, hiring, partnerships, co-marketing, whatever else it is that you need to bring your company to become a breakout winner, this is your go-to. So you're actually tapping into a ready-made network of people that can inspire you, provide you the resources because they're invested in, in you and you are invested in them. So, as mentioned, I do think that this is like a pretty, pretty incredible concept. I have to ask, um, I, I need to know the origin of the story. Did, did you just kind of wake up one day and be like, oh, wait, like this solves the problem? Um, or was it a much more longer process? Tell me a little bit about you, how you kind of came across this idea. So the idea started when I was working on the last project, uh, which was about to raise money and then it didn't. And towards the beginning of this year, I started thinking about what is it that is changing in startups? Uh, and personally, for myself as an entrepreneur and founder, uh, how do you go about this in a much more rigorous, systematic, methodical way uh, to attain success? And that led to a couple of blog posts. Then a friend of mine reached out to me and said, hey, this, 
Sounds like a really good idea. This is just one of the things that, you know, I wrote about. Uh, that was interesting. And then I spoke to a couple other friends casually. Uh, and they all said, this is a great idea. Um, I wanted to do this. And one of, the, one of the friends that I reached out to said, I actually did this with a friend of mine. And I was running my first company. A friend of mine was running his first company. Uh, his company was struggling with money. My company got acquired and the, uh, the other person who he swapped equity with ended up receiving a couple hundred thousand dollars from this acquisition and that tied him over for six months and now he's running a 150 person company. So it does work in practice. People have done this and that led to uh, us reaching out to a bunch of founders that we know and in March we interviewed about 40 founders that we knew and they all really loved the idea and wanted to, to do it. And that's the origin. It, it's only been around since uh, the beginning of this year. So let's kind of go through the process of, um, you know, let's say I had a company, venture backed, raised a couple million dollars. You know, I was like you in your ideal. Well, actually, let, let's, let's start there. Who, um, you, I'm, I'm guessing you're not going to take like, oh, I got an idea yesterday. Like, let me join the pool, right? So who, um, how do you decide who to let into the pool? And then we can, we can kind of talk about their experience and what, what that looks like. Right. So the, we don't pick, we only screen, right? We screen companies for quality. We screen companies for fit. And then we use some parameters to cluster them based on financing stage, based on the sector. Because we want this to not just be a diversification of equity, but it's uh, a community that has that can meaningfully help you with your success. After the initial process, people actually get to select or rank the top choice of companies that they would want to share equity with. And we take uh, those rankings, those preferences, and a bunch of other stuff into account uh, and use a matching algorithm to construct a pool. Uh, typically, it is not people who had an idea and want to build this. And that's definitely possible. Uh, but right now we're focusing on companies that have raised money, have a, a value on their equity or a way to value their equity uh, given they have revenues, profits, et cetera. So let's say, you know, I've raised hypothetically like 10 million bucks, right? Like clear value on the company. It's doing well. I pass your, um, your screening and, and, I, and I am let in. Is um is there like just one pool where I'm joined in? Yeah, so like, so you're shaking your head. So, How so does the pools pool, work? Typically, the pool size depends on the the stage of the company. For early stage companies, post uh, seed, post Series A, we target twenty to thirty, thirty to forty in some cases. Uh, later stage companies, the pool size is correspondingly smaller. Uh, you essentially get picked by your peers. Right. And once a yep. pool is formed, I guess the second part of your question is, is it set? It, these are rolling. You can invite more companies into your pool. The buy-in is going to be different uh, depending on what, when your pool was formed and what stage your pool is in right now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, all of the members have to agree to let in the new company and then your pool can expand. All or majority, super majority. 
And then um, let's talk about some of the, the, the non-obvious benefits of this. So, so the most obvious benefit, you know, it's in your name where you get to pool some of the equity, de-risk it slightly. But then you mentioned that with other people in your pool, you get investor pipelines, you get knowledge. Can you kind of walk me through what are some of these other benefits and how they work in practice? Let's say I'm in a pool, like, is it a Slack chat? Is it like a video call? Like, I'd, like, I'd love to just learn more about how it works um, just because I, th I think this is the future, honestly. I just want to learn more about it. Sure. So... Uh, it is it is our own software, so it is not a Slack group or a Telegram group. It is our own software. Uh, we basically believe there are five things that a, a founder needs. Right, one is inspiration. Um, you need to wake up every day. It's a lonely journey. Everybody talks about the struggle, and there is a little bit of masochism in 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 saying yes. Only people who can put up with this struggle should go through this pipeline, and part of that is true, but. We don't actually do that in any other uh, uh, area of life, right? We're always constantly looking for more freedom, better ways to do things. And so, so that's one. Your peer group should actually inspire you to do better. Two, you know, every founder should be thinking about or is thinking about growth. Uh, there is no good way to actually, uh, for a horizontal transfer of knowledge with regards to growth. Let's say you're a B2C company. Many B2C companies employ similar tactics. Each one has to discover this knowledge and relearn it from scratch, right? Um, the other thing is obviously investors. Everybody's always chasing money. Uh, there is no good tool so far to sanitize this process, streamline the process. I mean, some have tried, like, you know, NFX Signal does that. You know, they map out a path from you to an investor, and then it tried to make the introductions easier. Uh, but you're still locked into your network. I mean, you're always looking for warm intros from your current folks. Uh, but everybody's doing this on their own. Right now, you actually have a group of people vested in your success. So that'd be the number one uh, resource that you would reach out to. Uh, you know, pitch deck review. You, who's, who better to, uh, to give you feedback on your pitch deck than, than your peer group, right? Uh, partnerships. Partnerships is obvious. You know, if you're in a, a pool that is a vertic deep vertical domain like digital health or something else, you know, you can obviously do partnerships with, with your peer group or referrals to customers, referrals to potential partners. Uh, yeah, all of that is going to be built into the uh, into the pool software gradually. And one thing I'm curious about is what do you when you wake up every morning? How do you know what to work on? You're you're building something pr pretty innovative here. So how do you like? Are you spending your time on getting founders? Is it engineering, fundraising yourself? How do you know what to work on when you wake up every morning? And what do you work on um, when, you, when you start your days? Well, obviously, everything starts with the user. So talking to customers, obviously, and figuring out their pain points, sometimes stuff that they don't even know exists, and trying to come up with a uh, technology solution to their problems. And that's basically it. We're not raising money now, uh, but it's mostly at this stage of the company it's mostly about the customer and the product yeah and then do you um i have to imagine that you're getting a lot of um from your customers from the founders you're getting a lot of ideas oh you could do this could you do this you know this request etc um how do you balance building what they want right building building for your customer while at the same time making sure you stay true to your vision uh, which we'll get into in one of the last questions H how do you think about like 
that balance there? Right. So this is a this is a very broad question, but it's a very important question in the sense that how do you know what to build? People have a lot of ideas. I mean, there's a there's a almost scientific process of customer discovery, right? Sometimes people. So I don't believe that people know exactly what they would do. I don't know what I would do in a scenario. Uh, people have ideas, but it takes a lot of skill and art to tease out exactly what the need is, what the pain point is, what is the emotion driving them, how important it is on their list of priorities. And then you actually have to use your own intuition to, to direct product development. Uh, it, is a, it, is an, it is an art more than science. I mean, there's all sorts of these tools for customer discovery and customer development. You know, people quickly resort to surveys and customer interviews, and they're all great, you know, but yeah, there, there's there's a lot more than just surveys and and yeah. Yeah, there there's kind of like a lot of schools of thought here. The school of thought that I like a lot is like a Keith Raboyism, which is like you you kind of have your your vision and what you want to build, and you just kind of do it. And then if if your intuition is right, the market will almost like fold around what you're doing um, versus the exact opposite, which is like asks everyone what to build and build that. It's just no. So it's, I think they're both wrong. I mean, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle in the sense that like, you know, there's this famous story story where Steve Jobs said customers don't know what they want. But on the flip side of that is they spent, you know, years talking to 5,000 people about how they'd use their customer. I mean, they're the masters of figuring out exactly what emotion and what uh, need drives a customer behavior. So if you have a billion dollars to burn, you could say, yes, I don't care. I mean, I believe the market's going to adopt this solution. And then you go ahead and build it. Everything is about de-risking. If you have six months and $100,000 to build something, and that's the only shot you're going to get, you would want to be a lot more careful because you don't have years to wait before the market is ready for your solution. Because most ideas make sense on paper. They're all logical. Nobody starts out with uh, an irrational, stupid idea and say, we're going to force this onto the world, right? They all make sense to you. And to many people, the, 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 the key is, is the market ready for this now? Are they clamoring for it right now? If they're not, can you actually weather the storm until they are ready? And can you find the people who are going to be your early adopters, the innovators, and then have enough resources to cross the chasm? It's, uh, you know, if you have the resources of uh, Keith or Boy, you can do that. If you have a billion dollars of capital you have access to, you can build it. Uh, and you can wait for the market to be ready or, or spend a lot of resources on trying to find the right group of customers for your initial vision of the product. Uh, it depends on what resources you have access to. Absolutely. Um, and if you were to kind of look out for this, so you said you started this year, it's going well. Um, if you were to kind of look out um, many pools later, five, 10 years from now, what would you say your, your big vision here is and what this could turn into? Or I guess, in other words, um, today, uh, what direction are you rowing in and what, what is this going to look like in, in, in 10 years? Well, in 10 years, we want everybody, every entrepreneur who wants to start a company or a business to actually think about not the opportunity cost, but how do I uh, build the absolute best company that I can? And they want, I want them to feel that there is a support network all of the builders and visionaries can tap into that takes them to the next level, right? The way a small business thinks about insurance, a farmer thinks about insurance. That's the way we want entrepreneurs and founders to think about Founderpool. We want this to be culturally relevant and transformative because this is a pretty big undertaking. If we don't do it, someone else will come along and do it. Uh, if not now, sometime later. But this is inevitably going to happen. 
we can't be, you know, it's funny when you think about venture capital, right? Some people say Queen Isabella from Spain, or some people say, you know what? There are a lot of these uh, venture capitalists in Greece uh, that were actually funding a whole bunch of different voyages to Turkey and, and across the Black Sea, et cetera. But to diversify their portfolio, that was the start of then, right? You, you fund a ship, uh, you export something, you get something in return and you share the profits. And they were still diversifying their portfolio by not investing in one, but a bunch of other things. And some ship captains actually invested in other voyages as well. So this isn't completely new, except that venture capital is pretty locked into its business model, which is sweet, right? You get the uh, 220, it's a sweet deal. Um, so I think that's gonna change. It all depends on, this was a good idea then, but why now? It depends on the density, right? Number of companies forming, the, uh, the strength of connections, uh, what you could do with the connections and collaboration. So markets change, times change, networks change, density changes, and sometimes a good idea that didn't work five years ago works now. Yeah, that's that, it's it's very true. Timing is, is a huge component, um, and uh, to make that happen, to make this you know to to make the vision happen, you will need some help, right? Like you obviously need founders, maybe investors if you want investors, employees, things like that. Um, and luckily we have all of those sort of people listening to this podcast right now. So for my second and last question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help? Um, is there an ask that you have for the listeners and something that can kind of help you move the needle forward a little bit? Absolutely. Uh, reach out to me at chandra at founderpool.co uh, with anything you have. Either feedback, criticism, comments, interest, excuse me, in participating in a pool. We're always welcome. Always talking to customers. Uh, to your earlier question from, you know, morning to the evening, almost 30 to 40% of my time is spent talking to customers, which I think is actually low. Uh, yeah, always l love feedback from founders and entrepreneurs and how they're thinking about it. And we always want to be solving the right relevant problems that are important. Awesome. So just as a reminder for people listening to make sure they don't miss it, what's your URL? Are you on social media? What's your email one more time just so people want to get in touch? Founderpool.co. Founderpool.co is the company. And my email is chandra at founderpool.co. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you're sitting there, you're just saying, Matt, I want more. How can I get more? Well, luckily, you can get it at Forward Thinking City. Forward Thinking City is a community for the Forward Thinking Network, right? And we have multiple different aspects of the city. One, we have AMAs. Some of the previous guests that have been on the podcast, like Jonathan Barkle, Kristen Anderson, Austin Allred, come back and they do AMAs with the residents. You can ask them any question that you want, right? You can ask them about fundraising the early days, how they got their customers. We do these every single week with another, you know, really great founder that has been on the podcast. Additionally, um, we have our pitch battles, right? So if you want feedback on your pitch and the opportunity to potentially pitch in front of VCs and talk one-on-one -on -one with venture capitalists, this is where to do it. These are monthly pitch battles. So if you don't get in the first time, try again, right? The goal is to improve and get feedback to eventually one, raise, uh, get, get into the room with the VCs, two, raise capital, three, so you can get back to your company and building a great startup, building a great business. The last thing I'll mention is that if you were kind of interested in just community, 
We have our coffee hours and happy hours where you can meet other residents, learn about what they're working on, talk about social things, anything you want. This is a city for founders. It is for investors. It is for startup enthusiasts. It's for anyone that loves startups. So if you're interested in what I'm saying, go to forwardthinking.city and join the city for $15 a month. Um, you know, the way, the reason I charge is because I want to be able to do this full time and bring as much value as I possibly can. And I think it's well worth the value. You can ask any of the current residents and they will attest to that. So go to forwardthinking.city, join the city, and you'll see immediately the, the next AMA, the next pitch battle, the next event. And I hope to see you there. Forwardthinking.city. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.